On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Tapehead and Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my good friends Paul Zotter and Tom Corcoran as we go deeper into the King's X catalog and discover the progressive nature of this band with the pair of albums, Tapehead and Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous. Tonight we are here to discuss the next two King's X albums, Tapehead and Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous. Now, Tapehead was released in 1998. It was produced by King's X. What was that? Uh, that was, was me throwing my phone on the desk. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm in a new environment. I'm not. I'm not used to what I what I can and can't do. So sorry. Keep me. Keep me, uh, keep me uh, honest here. All right. It was produced by King's X and released on Metal Blade. Has the same lineup. Doug Pinnock, Ty Tabor, and Jerry Gaskill. And what we'll find with these two albums is that Wikipedia is not terribly helpful in terms of the blurb. Tapehead is the seventh album by heavy metal slash hard rock trio King's X, released in 1998. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> That's all we got? <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> now, so, so Paul, you, you sort of led us into this. Um, so in, in, in one of the, the summer trips where the, the guys getting together in Las Vegas didn't happen, and apparently that would be 1998, which, Tom, I believe you and I labeled that the pissy rendezvous is that uh the right the the what rendezvous the pissy rendezvous oh is that how it's listed in the annals that is exactly how it's listed in the annals oh man this is great (laughs) this is all coming back now okay so 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 tom and i go to las vegas ourselves um in the absence of the rest of the crew and we wind up staying, like, it, it was fascinating for me because we we got to see, like, behind the curtain in Las Vegas. Like, the, the real Las Vegas, where people actually live and work and it's almost normal. Because friends of yours were, were living there and we stayed at their apartment as opposed to some hotel on the Strip or something like that. And at some point, we're driving around, and I don't remember if it was just the two of us or if your friend was with us but we we somehow found ourselves in, in a record store as i recall it what's that i i believe it was just the two of us if i recall correctly and 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 we go in and i don't think either one of us had any clear indication that king's x was releasing a new album and we walk in and there's tapehead and you know 
I seem to recall the usual enthusiastic calm response. And, and yeah, so we, uh, we enjoyed that for the drive back, as I recall. We did, but the one thing I remember is when we first put Tapehead in the CD player, for some reason I was so excited to hear it. And I don't know what the situation was right before we got to the CD store. But for some reason, the volume was cranked all the way up. Yes! Or maybe it was like bumped up, I bumped it, or my knee must have bumped the volume or something. And so I turned off, I turned off the car, so we get back in the car. I put tape head in first before I, <laughs> before I turned this, the, the car on. And I turned the car on, and boom! I mean, it was just like, what the hell is this? And uh, it really, it didn't actually damage my speakers, but I, I'm surprised it didn't. But uh, that was um, that was quite the quite the jolt. It's quite the uh, first first note of Tapehead was a very loud one. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so that was that was our introduction to to Tapehead. It was you know it was it was a totally nice surprise. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I have to say that, you know, and, and I have not listened to Tapehead, I don't know how long, it, it may be 10 years, to be honest with you, before this little exercise. And um, I was, given my reaction to, to Dogman and uh, even Ear Candy a little bit, I was pleasantly surprised by Tapehead. Because again, I had these sort of preconceived notions of Tapehead being somehow flawed, and um, but I, I did know that I was I was very much looking forward to Groove Machine, and that did not disappoint me. And um, yeah, I, I I found myself really quite enjoying this, and you know, not to get too deep into it, but and you know, we'll we'll bounce around and come back. One of the times, well, in fact, the first time I was listening through it, I had started on my way home from work the day before, and I guess it was Saturday, so in the mornings, when I don't have the kids, I like to get up and go to this uh, this park where I can do some hiking, you know, and I try to get there as early in the day as I can, like, literally around sunrise. So I'm driving out, you know, to the middle of nowhere um, as the sun's just coming up. And I'm, I'm working through tape head and life's grand. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to put my thoughts together. And higher than God comes on. And honest, I couldn't help myself. I just had to turn it up. <laughs> as soon as that came in, I was like, yes! Which is, is funny because it's, you know, it's, it's in some ways a really obvious song. But, yeah, I just... I remembered that very, very well, and it, it it still feels good today. Yeah, I um, I had a similar reaction, Joe, and I think Tapehead and Mr. Bubbles was the last one that I actually bought, and I sort of lumped these two together because um, 
it was after these albums I sort of had my King's X hiatus and I didn't really listen to um, much. But I think looking back at it, looking back, I, 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 if you would have asked me when it came out, I would have said I'm, I was disappointed with these albums. Um, and I think at one point I, would, I said something like, if you take like half of Tapehead, the best the 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 best sound, songs on Tapehead and the best songs on Bulbous, you'd have a, a fantastic record. I would backtrack a little bit on that uh, right now. Um, I think Tapehead, I've narrowed it down to three songs that I don't like. And there's 13 okay. songs on the CD. Um, so you still have a very strong CD and tape, 10 songs, right? Um, and you have, um, you know, you, you still have a very good uh, CD. And I know I don't, I don't want to skip around to Mr. Bulbous just yet, but I guess uh, generally speaking, I think Mr. Bulbous is a pretty, pretty solid all the way through. It maybe doesn't have the highs and lows um, as, as Tapehead, but um, Tapehead, uh, I, I liked a lot, I have to say, and um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I oh. think looking back at the time, I was probably, you know, King's X is just such a fantastic band. I mean, really, I mean, it gives us everything we want. I mean, it's just... The heaviness, the production, the harmonies, the great lyrics. I mean, it's just really what all of us just love in music. And I think that uh, I was looking at that time to raise the bar. And I don't know if you can really raise the bar from what they had done on the first six CDs. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's an impossible task. Um, of course... We don't know that. We don't know how far they're gonna, you know, a band can go. But um, looking back, it's they did stellar stuff, and I might have been disappointed because it, it didn't, um, you know, go to the next level. But looking back, I mean, it's still uh, it's better than anything that's out now. You know. Well, hey, buddy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Is that Jay? <laughs> what happened? Oh, is that? I'm sorry, I didn't see that. What? What just happened? <laughs> Thor, Thor popped up. Oh, I just had Tom on my screen. I didn't have. I didn't have the full uh, panoramic. Sorry, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt, Tom. Oh, that's okay. Thor, Thor is a cutie. Um, so I, I might have at the time been disappointed with Tapehead. But I'm so glad we're doing this and going back to Tapehead. I think it's very, it's a very strong CD, and it's very enjoyable. And um, there are some songs on there that I just cannot get enough of. And I have to say, you know, I'm so, so big on, on on like big choruses. Like a song like "Hate You" is just such a great song. <laughs> and I remember loving it you know at the time um but it somehow got washed uh, somehow you know tape had got kind of buried in the in the mix uh and I, I didn't really go back to it like you joe i don't think i listened to tape in you know 10 years probably maybe even more 
but um, that song is just a gift. I mean, that song is just so great. And there's a lot of those songs on on tapehead that I'm just like, wow, this is this is such a find. And um, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Like I said, there's a couple songs on there. Um, that what are, what, are, what are the what are the three or what are the two besides Walter Bella Farkas, which is just a waste of space on any sort of release. It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Tapehead, like I said, has uh, very highs, a lot of highs and a lot of lows, uh, and and a few lows. But um, you know, Cupid definitely doesn't cut it. Uh, after Hate You, I think I, I forget the name. There, there, like there are two of them after that, and um, I think it's the two songs that follow Hate Hate You. I don't have the list in front of me, but. So that- um, that would be higher than God and happy. Okay, well, that's happy, and then the next one. Happy and Mr. Happy Evil. And Mr. Evil. Yes. Why are we getting a feedback? Why are we getting a feedback? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hearing any feedback. Because maybe Mr. Evil. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you would. I still want to know what the what the other song on tapehead that doesn't measure up for you. Um, Cupid is definitely one of them, uh, right? Mr. Evil, and I believe Happy is the other one. Really, but, I kind of dig Happy. You know, I, I believe it's that one. And then, but the thing is, you know, we get so spoiled with a band like Kings X. Or really, any of the bands that we talk about. Um, well, yeah, that's but, why we're uh, talking about them. Exactly. But we get so spoiled. You say, "Oh, you know, there's three songs I don't like," and it's like there's 13 songs on the CD. You still have 10 great ones. <laughs> and King's X is, you know, the best of the best anyway. So we're still looking at just a lot of greatness here. And we're looking at, uh, I think, a very, a very strong recording by the band. Mr. Zotter. We are oh. getting all kinds of cool noises from you tonight. So, so Paul, testing. what are your... Testing one, two. Is this working? You sound great. <laughs> okay. Oh, well... What, what, what are your thoughts on Tapehead, Paul? So, I'll, I'll tell you also that um, going through this exercise... I was surprised as well, um, listening through, as to how much I freaking love this album. And <laughs> I also had not been giving Tapehead its uh, fair due. I, I remember distinctly um, picking this up. And I was working as a sales rep in uh, the New Brunswick, New Jersey area. And I don't know how I found out that there was a King's X album, but at some point in time, I found out that there was a new King's X, and I went to, like, I don't even know where I went. I went to some place in East Brunswick that was, like, some record store in a strip mall, and I, and they all they had was, they had a single cassette of Tapehead by King's X at the record store, and so I bought the cassette because I, that's all they had. <laughs> so, 
So I and I put it in and Groove Machine, like the riff just blew me away. But I I definitely remember being a little disappointed in like the whole welcome to the Groove Machine um lyric. And um and I think there are certain reasons for that. But um I'll never forget it was another one of those first listening moments that uh, I I listened to it all the way home and um and I do remember uh my initial reaction to it liking it less than ear candy. Um so I was definitely in the camp of and I think I I alluded to this last time but I was definitely in the camp of liking ear candy and the style of ear candy um, better than Dogman, the style, like the, the ultra heavy guitars throughout the lack of, you know, sort of the, the, the homogenous tone of the whole album. I was more yeah. a fan of the, the differences in ear candy, similar to like you got in Gretchen and out of the silent planet, at least in my opinion, compared with, you know, Dogman and 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 listening to this now, this really feels like when I, like when I was driving around listening to this in preparation for this episode, all I could think of is like this is like Dogman Part Two. This is just them being who they are and just rocking it out. And I really had a much deeper appreciation for it this go round. And I watched the video where they talked basically about that that very thing where um, they talked about they didn't have a producer for this album. They just, the three of them went into uh, Doug's studio and just hammered through and finished at a Thai studio and they didn't write any of the songs beforehand. They just showed up and worked on the songs each day and recorded them and it was the most fun they had doing an album and I think it feels like it's the most fun they've had doing an album. Uh, there's just like there's a great energy to all of these uh, all of these songs, and um, you know I think when you go through, we made kind of a big deal about the time, the the times of ear candy songs. Like they were all hits. If you look at the times of all the songs on Tapehead, they are the majority of them are under four minutes. Um, so they are. Uh, they, it's it's. It's pretty cool, and I definitely didn't give it as much appreciation when it first came out uh, than I than I do now. And I I was just like the last half hour before this, I was just like walking around getting ready to get started, and I was like singing a little bit of soul, like I couldn't stop singing it as I was I was walking around. It, 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 it's just um. So I, really, this has been really, really fun for me. I really have enjoyed getting back but into both of these albums, but getting back into uh, Tapehead. Yeah, and, you know, it's... Paul, when you when you talk about, um, you know, Dogman Part 2 and, and some of the production qualities and the, 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 um, the, the dynamics of the differences in, in ear candy, you know, one of the things that that I noted here is, is really, I think, you know, if you think about, you know, the sound that the, the, the band was trying to capture, right. And, 
you know, obviously they were way over on one side with, with the Sam Taylor, and then they had Dogman, and they went way, way over on the other side. And I think, you know, once you get here to Tapehead, it kind of starts to settle in a little bit. And, um, you know, because you, you they are still very heavy. It, it is still, you know, a, a very rocking album. But you do have some more of that, that texture that, like you said, you know, is, is maybe not quite as obvious in Dogman just because it's so overwhelming. And, and I think, you know, that, that does translate. Well, it's it's fascinating to hear about the way they wrote the album because it, you know, it it, it does feel now that you mention it like, you know, a a very happy experience. Like you know, guys just enjoying doing what they're doing. Now, well, go ahead. No, go ahead, Tom. Well, I'm I'm wondering if, um, I. Had, heard an interview with them and they said that Mr. Bulbous was the first time that they had gotten in the studio and actually wrote songs together that all of all the other King's X CDs including Tapehead each one of them brought their songs yeah. and, then, and then they played you know, they hashed out each of their songs. Um, I'm wondering if you're describing, Paul, if they just <laughs> did that really quickly with Tapehead, if they were each of their own songs. Because I know one of the wow. things with Colbus is, is that it was actually, they, they're so proud of that CD, is that because that's one that they um, all actually wrote together and they just yeah. they didn't have any preconceived notions and they just sort of jammed it out so i watched two youtube videos tonight um and apparently one i had watched before but um and i think one tom you had watched as well because you i think you were talking a little bit about it with ear candy um talking about how they had you know ear candy they were basically being forced to write hits and atlantic was giving them a lot of pressure and all of that um but but for certain, and I'll and I'll post the video um, in the notes with this episode if I ever get back to doing that. Um, the, the the video that I watched tonight was definitely referring to Tapehead, um, talking about being the first the first album, and then in in the second video they actually talked about that they when they signed with Metal Blade for at this point in time that metal blade, the people who own that, that record label were fans of theirs. And they basically were just like, Hey, listen, we want to sign you. We want to, we want you to be a part of the family because, you know, we want you guys to keep doing what you're doing. And basically, you know, they were, and I think we talked a little bit about how they were like darlings of the industry, like people in music love them and they, wanted them to keep making records so they basically said do what you do we're not even we don't care what you do we just want you to do your thing and so i i do think that that uh tapehead was the first time um that they did it however i think you are absolutely correct in that i think they they themselves or at least i know ty mentioned in one of the interviews that he is incredibly fond of mr bulbous and um 
and I think that album is is definitely more creative. Uh, they they push into different creative places, and I'm not just talking about you know being like um, less you know homogenous or monochromatic like in the differences. But they, I think, Mr. Bulbas, like we always ask the question, you know, is this really a progressive rock band? Um, I think Mr. Bulbas is Exhibit A. That yes, they are. Like they they go to some fun places in that record. Um, so I you know I think uh, I'll post it and and uh, I know in the video that I'm talking about they were actually playing Groove Machine. So um, so same era though, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. All right. So I I do want to say uh, a couple of things about um, some of the songs. On tapehead, so Groove Machine. So, um, you know, I, I I play a lot of music with these two guys, Dave Dewitt and Paul Lanahan. Dave Dewitt, of course, the author and composer of the Progressive Palaver theme song. And at and I think they were mildly aware of King's X before they met me. And I may I may be overstepping my bounds if I if I take credit for really introducing them fully to the glory of King's X. But uh, we all went to a show in Wilmington, Delaware a few years back. And ever since that show, every time we get together, we either begin the night or end the night or begin and end the night by playing Groove Machine because it is <laughs> a freaking jam. That song is so rocking. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, that song, and I've gotten over the lyrics. Like, I don't think I really liked the idea of Welcome to the Groove Machine when I was, you know, younger, when I was, however, 31 or whatever age I was when I, when this album came out. When did this album come out, Joe, again? I, I already forget what you 98, said. 98, I think you said? Yes, 1998. So at the ripe old age of 28, I had wished that they had spent a little more time on the lyrics. Um, but I love it. I can't get enough of the song. And then my two favorite songs on this album, over and over, is just an. I love that song. It's just incredible. The lyrics, the the bass tone, um, everything about that song. The guitar solo is badass. Um, just love it. And then surprisingly, I don't know if this is surprising or not, but for me, um, Ocean has always been, uh, you know, just like. On any playlist that I've ever made of King's X, Ocean ends up uh, going on there. I just, uh, that song Actually, sounds Paul, like home to me. It's amazing that you bring that up because my one note on Ocean is that um, it reminds me of a Paul song. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I, my note is actually, reminds me of a Paul song. Love it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I can see why you would like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's so it, it's funny. As I started listening to this, and like I said, overall I was I was very pleased and I was pleasantly surprised. But the first two listens through this time. Despite all of the the happy feelings I had, I, I I felt this sort of I don't know how to describe it. 
lack of satisfaction over everything. Like, you know, it was all good, but something wasn't quite lining up perfectly, and I couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, you know, like, I, I don't exactly know what it was. But listening to it a couple more times after that, I, I find myself less less inclined to feel that way. Hmm. So I, I don't really know what that is or was. Um, you know, but it's it's stuff like you talk about, Paul, with with Groove Machine. You know, it's 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 a it's a great song. And and while the chorus has never really bothered me, it's not anything that really you know, fills my gullet, so to speak. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that you say that because Tom made a really awesome point about Ear Candy, um, talking about the pressure that they had and that they, you know, they had a different producer and, you know, you know, pushing them to do hits or whatever. And and he, he made the point of maybe that's what they really needed because, this, you know, the songs on there are great. And... You know, they did not have that in this in this situation. So they're sonically, I this is not the best sounding King's X record that's ever been made. I think it's probably well we can decide later, but I would say sonically it might be at the very bottom of the list of of sonic brilliance, which is which is like okay, right? Because No, I don't it, think so, but you don't think so? Okay. Well no. <laughs> I, I I really wanted Jay to join us because I really wanted to get his thoughts on how you know the drums sounded because I have my own opinion. I just feel like this album, and and maybe it's because like I thought the sound of Ear Candy was was wonderful, and I I think we've clearly documented on our previous episode how ridiculously amazing Dogman um, sounds. Whether you have the blue, yellow, red, or green, yes. Um, and I and and I really like. I can't help but listen. I can't help but think as I listen to it. Like I wonder what this album would be like had Brendan O'Brien produced this in the same vein as as Dogman. If it was that big um, and that incredible, um, you know. So sonically, okay, we can we could put that up for debate. But to your point, Joe, like you wonder. Had they had a fourth guy in there saying, "Hey, maybe you want to rethink that lyric. Hey, maybe you know, maybe we should rethink this small little bit here. Maybe we should tweak that." Um, you, you, I don't think an artist tends to do that when they are self self producing. You know, they oh, sure. hear, they do the song as they do it, and they hear it, and they all like it. And maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what you're getting at there is that maybe there could have been a little push to a higher level had they had another another person. Well, sure, and I mean and, and take Higher Than God, for instance. I feel guilty liking that song as much as I do because it is so basic. Mm. You know, and it, it's almost like, you know, I don't know, I feel like I'm eating too many jelly beans or something like that. You huh. know? Yeah. <laughs> and, I think that's why I like over and over, um, Paul, you were just talking about it. I that uh, it's it's a very simple song. It almost reminds me of a lullaby. It just kind of keeps repeating and repeating, um, mm. but it's haunting. It's just it's such a beautiful song uh, to me. But I 
almost to me over and over sounds like a lullaby that sort of simplistic uh feel and i think that um you know it, it just goes to show you that you don't you don't have to be going crazy with all a ton tons of harmonies and tons of sections and 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 whatnot to really be effective um a song like over and over and it is a as you guys mentioned a somewhat rudimentary recording of it but um i think that even makes it even better yeah and yet somehow doug's bass guitar sounds so badass on that song like <laughs> it's just i like the intro where just doom 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 like it's just oh my gosh like i doug has his own bass amp i don't know if i've mentioned this he's got his own bass amp available through tech 21 I really want to buy one of those bass amps. And I know it's silliness because I know that I'm not going to sound like Doug Pinnock if I buy one, but I still want to buy it anyway. Just so I can play Groove Machine. <laughs> and maybe and maybe over and over. Hey, incidentally, guys, I, I just want to say this. Um, we've talked a lot about like the King's X family and community. Like There's a Facebook community of, of uh, King's X appreciators. And through that, I discovered a uh, acoustic cover on YouTube of uh, Over and Over by King's X. And it's by oh. this, late, this lady named Janine Harani. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. I'll also post this on the notes. And um, she, I don't know where she is from. She is not, I don't believe, I feel like she is, um, I feel like she's, um, not from America. I could be wrong. Um, she seems very exotic to me in the, uh, in the email. Nonetheless, um, it's just her playing acoustic guitar and singing, and it's, it's, uh, it's quite nice. So I will uh, post that up. Uh, it's only got 5,400 views, so maybe we could bump that up a little bit. But she, a uh, great version of it, um, acoustic solo. Um, you don't hear too many good King's X covers on YouTube. Um, no, I can't imagine that you do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but yeah, that song has always been, uh, uh, been one of my favorites. And then right after that is Oh No, I believe. Oh, that yeah. Yes. Such a absolutely. great song. I mean, it's just, I mean, you talk about like the perfect, King's X songs, like if you have just, just the meaty guitar sounds and this like the haunting melodies. Oh no, is just one of those, just perfect songs that. Yeah. Um, it just always feels so good going down. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever real I really appreciated just how kick ass the the beginning of this like the first four tracks of this of this album really are. I mean, Groove Machine, Fade, which Fade, just that main riff is just crushing over and over in Ono. I mean, those, I mean, you could just, I mean, in, in, the, in, the, in the day and age of now, where, you know, people just put out EPs, three or four songs. Like, could you imagine if a band showed up and just put those four songs out? Oh, man. I know. I know. And, well, I think one thing we should you know, talk about, I mean, what impresses me... Hey, buddy. 
Um, what impresses me is that this is the first album they did when they didn't have the pressure of the studio, and they still, uh, minus the the big production of you know Ear Candy, they they, they still managed to um, get. I don't I don't want to say total radio friendly songs, but considering if you you would have thought that their first album, um, kind of on their own when they're given a green light to do whatever they want. Um, you would think maybe they would have gone off on a completely um, right field tangent and just sort of went for it. Um, this is nice because, you know, it, it, you still have good songs and it's not like indulgent. It's yeah. not the self-indulgent CD of like, Oh, I want to do what I want to do. It's that they seem like they always, think of their, their, their fans. Um, they may want to go in different directions, but they always have a good sense of songwriting. And um, looking back, I'm more impressed with this CD because of um, the fact that they managed to sort of hold it together and have the best of both worlds. Oh, yeah. So... I, I'm noticing that according to the wikis, this, the track two, Fade, was the only quote-unquote single released from Tapehead, which I'm not sure who they released it to because I don't I, and I don't know where where that would have appeared. But um, again, again, I would say like, why not release? Why wouldn't you release a Groove Machine as a hit? Uh, why wouldn't or a single? Why wouldn't you release um, over and over? Um, and I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that they were self-producing basically at this time. I don't. Know. Probably overthinking it at this point in time. What was the single, Paul? Did they have a single? Fade. Well, apparently it was Fade. Oh. If that's okay. possible. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think if it wasn't for the verse maybe not being as strong, I think Hate You would be an incredible single. That chorus, when that comes in, that is incredibly catchy and it just it just sticks to you like glue and um maybe you know i maybe wouldn't um sorry do you guys hear my dog like much on the bone next to me that's like is that what he's doing i thought he would i thought maybe he was humping your leg i thought that no was <laughs> these hardwood floors in the studio and there's a, a bone like two feet long that he chews and um, um anyway, hold on a second. Dude. All right. Um where was I? We we're discussing hate you as a single. Oh, yeah. So uh, the verses aren't I mean, ultimately it's a great song. I love it to death. I wouldn't change anything about it. But if we're talking about singles, um the verses aren't are aren't quite as strong. 
for a single, but I mean, certainly the chorus could have uh, would have been a great single for them. Um, you know, they're not going to release just the chorus, but it came really close to being a great single. <laughs> That's it. So let's move on to Mr. Bulbous here, because uh, I want to get into that, and then we can, you know, tie up the loose ends as we sort of go along. And so to, to do the official part of it, Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous, was released in 2000. It was produced by King's X and Ty Tabor. Again, released on Metal Blade, uh, Doug, Ty, and Jerry is the standard lineup. And Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous is the eighth album by Heavy Metal slash Hard Rock Trio King's X released in 2000. Again, the wikis don't have a whole lot in terms of general information. There is more stuff on the, the page, but where I generally get these things um, is only at the, the very, very top, and I leave the rest of the, the wiki stories for us to uncover as we will. Now, if I hadn't listened to... Tapehead in a decade, I probably hadn't listened to Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous, in 17 years. Um, Mr. Bulbous was was really, really had, had a bad rap in my mind. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny, if that's the right word, that Tapehead ends on the, the mess that is Walter Bella Farkas. And, you know, if you pull that out and then put in Mr. Bulbous, the next thing you hear is Fishbowl Man. <laughs> so let's just go back for a second and, and look, you know, say whatever you want to about the previous King's X albums. Let's just look at the way that they open. In the New Age, Out of the Silent Planet, we are finding who we are, the world around me. Dogman, The Train, and Groove Machine. Those are all pretty punchy ways to start albums. And while I have to say that the rest of Mr. Bulbous has really kind of come around for me in the last few days, Fishbowl Man is not good. Not good at all. <laughs> and it's a terrible, terrible way to start an album. Wow. I I have to disagree with you, my friend. I uh I I love it. And I, I would agree with you on uh I too gave Mr. Bulbus a bad rap. And I think this was officially was the last um King's X C D that I purchased. And um and I, I, you know, I, 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 even more, I had less feelings about this one originally than I did Tapehead. But I, coming back to this one, I love that first song. I love Fishbowl Man. How? I love, I, I not only love Fishbowl Man, how indulgent with any other band in the world would stop in the middle of a song and do a 30-second poem reading. Yeah. Um, how awful would that be? But I love it. It's perfect. Well, guess what, Tom? It's awful here. 
It's I terrible. don't think so. I mean, wow. I, I very much enjoy it. And I I don't I, know if, you know... I mean, Tom, talk about- you, you, you don't like Coil and you like Fishbowl Man? Oh, How is that on. awesome? Oh, come on. So... So listen, I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm gonna agree with both of you, okay? <laughs> in the year, in the year 2000, when I picked up, please come home, Mr. Bulbous, and scratched my head when I saw the cover, and started <laughs> listening so to this cover. CD, um, and this was, yeah, I did not get or enjoy, um, um Fishbowl Man, but. In 2017, when I put in, or I clicked on, this <laughs> album and listened to it, I was freaking blown away by Fishbowl Man. And I agree with you, Tom. I was like, holy shit, this poem in the middle is fucking great. I love it. I love it. I am all in with Fishbowl Man. That's it. You guys talk about it. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we could agree on... Now we're talking a little bit. They sort of earn their uh, uh, progressive title with that exactly. song. Exactly. Thirty seconds. They, you cannot oh. deny that at this point, when you know, and and hats off to them and to the folks at Metal Blade for uh-huh. at that time being like, just we love you guys. Do whatever you want to do. And hats off to them for just going in there. And just letting it all out, like it's that is creativity. Um, that is creativity right there. I loved it. I love it. So, so Paul, when you brought in Mr. Volbus as evidence of King's X indeed belonging in the progressive genre, I had a note down here that said that very same thing because again, as I got into this, um, you know, my first listen through was very very difficult. And because, you know, we, Mr. Bulbous is so different from everything we've heard up to this point. And, you know, there were parts of it that I wanted to like, and then it would go into a part that I just didn't get. And, and, but I was trying to sort of be open-minded about this. And I I was like, you know, the very first sort of door opening that I had was, you know, I had to give these guys credit for trying something sort of off the beaten path. And once I had that thought, it's like, oh, wait, isn't that what progressive music is all, you know, all supposed to be about anyway? And, and, and the more I listened to a lot of this album, the more I really, really liked it. To the point now where really the only things I don't like is Fishbowl Man <laughs> and most of Charlie Sheen. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and honestly, I don't like Charlie Sheen because it's called Charlie Sheen, and that seems kind of stupid. That 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 sort of rolling guitar intro, I fucking love it. Yeah, but most of it just like ugh, whatever. Perhaps but, Charlie Sheen would have benefited from a producer in the room. <laughs> but uh, so yeah. so yeah, I mean, you know, like I said. Fishbowl Man still doesn't doesn't fly for me. I mean, it's not like I can't listen to it. I I honestly just think it's pointless. I I don't know. Oh. Oh. And, and love it. You 
It's <laughs> whatever. Everyone should listen to Fishbowl Man right now just to check it out should again. We? Just to check it out again. So, so listen, like, so I'm scrolling through the year 2000 in releases. And because I remember not really, like, being too enamored with, fish, with Fishbowl, with Mr. Bulbous when it came out. But I do remember listening to it a lot. And it really, it's taken me all, I scrolled down all the releases into the year 2000. And it's taken me all the way to, to March of 2000 to find an album that I even know, let, let alone whether I like <laughs> it or not. And there's a lot of like good bands in here, but um, seriously, the first album that I that I saw that I was like, oh, I know, I like that one, is Nickel Creek's uh, first album. Their their maybe it's not their first album, their self-titled album. Um, this was not a great year. For um, overall, for music, the year 2000. Maybe everyone was worried about Y2K, but <laughs> not a lot going on in this in this year. And um, here is King's X being as creative as, as they've ever been, pushing the boundaries of their own creativity. Gotta love it. Well, I think they did push their boundaries on, on this CD. So, real quick, so I took this big bone away from my dog, and he went in the other room and got an even bigger one and brought it in. <laughs> so, I'm still hearing that racket. <laughs> Jesus. Dogs, man, you can't you can't win against them. Well, I love them because they're, they're always in the studio. I love there's like studio dogs and my buddies in here, but um, of course, right now, when I'm trying to do this, it's not the, the best time. Anyway, um, this is to me more of a Ty Tabor like solo album mm. and that's good I mean because you know, yeah there's it, a lot I, more Ty on this album that's yeah. for sure and so again like back in 2000 it just probably wasn't what I wanted to hear and so I completely I, I appreciated a couple songs on it and boom! I there goes the next like sixteen years of not listening to to King's X and, and instead of, or I should say, uh, the only thing I really listened to was the best of, <laughs> of uh, you know, there's you know really? twenty songs or whatever. Um, and but going back, uh, I have to say there's just some wonderful things on this CD, and I. I uh, it's just, I think this just suffered from expectations at the time. You know, you want something and you don't get that. And so, you know, you sort of, um, you know, shelf the band or shelf the uh, the, the album. But I, I have to say, this is, um, this doesn't even have like, you know, in tape head, there's, a, there's those three songs I really don't like. This doesn't, maybe except for like the Charlie Sheen silliness. Um, there's not really any bad bad songs on it. It doesn't really have the the, the, the high points, but uh, it's actually a very pleasant listen, and I, I was actually um, very much enjoying it myself. Well, and and I think the the difference in this album that you just described there, Tom, really speaks to, if, for lack of a better phrase, the bravery of of King's X to put out this album. 
because I mean, I, I, I can't put myself back in 2000, other than the fact that I never listened to it after I got it. Um, but I mean, this was not given, you know, tapehead, ear candy, dogman, etc. This is not, I think, what anyone would have been reasonably expecting um, out of out of King's X. Oh, dude, there's the picture. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you more of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't have a studio or I can't go to a new place without it. <laughs> that's nice, that, dude. Oh, that's that. I, that picture that, is part of our history. That picture there, it is. And I had that painting <laughs> jammed up against the back of my neck for 12 freaking hours driving back from Nashville. <laughs> we, we did some goofy shit back then. <laughs> I, could not, I couldn't sleep for 12 hours because I had that damn thing jabbing into the back of my head. It just barely didn't fit. We, you got that at what the tattoo studio where Colby got his his work done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So yeah. So for so for me, I I um, it's it's funny. So you know, so this this group on Facebook that I'm a part of, the King's X Musical Appreciation Society. Um, you know, it's just a it's a it's a great. It is a great, great, great group of people that love King's X. And I always hear them, you know, or, or see them post about, you know, all of the great stuff that they love off of all these albums. And, and I have to tell you, like, this exercise, going through these records, I feel as much as I have been an advocate and a huge fan of King's X, I feel like for the first time... I actually am a real King's X fan because I'm a loving tape head and I'm, you know, and I'm actually looking forward to listening to Mr. Bulbous. Like, it's not just, oh, I want to go listen and remember this or whatever, but like, like She's Gone Away is just, yes. mm, that song just crushes. And, yeah. um, you know the marshmallow field is a little Beatlesque, and but it's it's pretty cool. But but the the last two songs on this record, "Move Me" and "Move Me Part Two, yes, just, just are killer. So, and um, yeah, like I really I really found a new sense of fondness for uh, "Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous" in a way that I never expected in this. Uh, you know, before we before we got to these. And um, and and literally, I'm 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 now. These are no longer like a, an appendage to my King's X fandom. Like these are right in there with all of the other albums, and I'm I'm really I'm really loving it. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, Paul, because as I started to sort of turn the corner on this album, you know the the songs you just mentioned, "She's Gone Away," "Marshmallow Field," and the two "Move Me's" were they were they were at the forefront of that those were the ones i sort of latched on to first i'm like yeah oh i can't wait this is great yeah this is great and then um you know the rest of it kind of fell into place um 
yeah, it's it, I still can't get into fishbowl, man. But but that's all right. <laughs> but you know, the the interesting thing now is, and, and Paul, I, this maybe builds a little bit on on what you were just saying. So I honestly, I probably prior to this week or last week or whatever week, I had listened to Mr. Bulbus. I'm going to guess probably less than five times in my life. I own Manic Moonlight. I probably listened to it fewer times than Mr. Bulbous. Mm. But at this point, it's almost like when you it's almost like when you discover a new band and you yeah. can't wait to hear the next album because now at this point with Mr. Bulbous and the fact that I I get most of it and I'm really excited about it, you know, I, I'm just I'm curious to see what Manic Moonlight is that I didn't get or understand before, because I, I literally have no memory of it at all. Wow! So it you know it's it's going to be sort of a, a new discovery for me. And then I've never heard the next two Black Like Sunday and Ogre Tones. Um, I have heard I don't know if it's XD or 15 or whatever you call it. Um, I have heard that recently, as a matter of fact. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Mr. Bulbous actually, you know, gets me excited for to finish out this, this King's X section. Uh, I'm very excited to finish it out. This will be Mr. Bulbous is the last CD that I'm familiar with. So when we go from here... I'm in like new territory. I'm going to be listening to it from scratch, and I um, <clears throat> purposely waited. <coughs> Excuse me. I purposely waited because I I wanted to sort of experience it through new eyes at the very end, and um, so I'm I'm looking forward to hearing these last few CDs because I have not heard anything from any of them. In fact. You know, the strange, very strange thing. So I have one of those um, uh, Google pods and you say, you know, play so-and-so. Uh, Alexa, play so-and-so. I thought, I would say, Alexa, play King's X. And the only, on my membership, the only two, two CDs that it would play would be Tapehead and Mr. Bulbous. I actually, for the longest time, didn't. I, I hadn't listened to Tapehead or Mr. Bulbas in so long. I thought I was listening to newer King's X songs, and I, that's why I was like texting you guys, being like, "Oh wow, there's some really good King's X songs." But that I remember was actually Tapehead <laughs> and Mr. Bulbas. because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's how um, little I. You know that's how long I've I've I had my hiatus for not listening to Tapehead or Mr. Bulbous. So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to listening to these albums and and seeing what seeing what they're like. Yeah, I'm um uh, I may I may have cheated already in listening to a little bit of um, um Manic Moonlight. Um, but yes. I'm I'm excited to continue on, and you know, uh, Black Like Sunday it may have to be a YouTube. Um, I don't know that there's I don't know that that record is actually available 
anywhere in streaming. Those are very old songs that they redid. Um, oh, is that what that is? Yeah, they. Um, yeah, it, they just re-recorded a bunch of old songs, and I think they were from like back in the Edge and Sneak Preview days. I want to mm. say, um, and it was like a limited release. I didn't even know it was. I didn't even know it was out until um, you know people in the King's X Appreciation group on Facebook were talking about it. Um, so I don't. I've and I've never seen it anywhere. So we may have to grab that on YouTube. Um, I- Actually, I I, I want to say it may be available from King's X themselves because I was it is. I was um I was going on I was looking at purchasing tickets for the King's X show when they're here in January I think it is and it bounced me to what I think was their website and they had some sort of I I, I didn't pay that much attention it was the middle of the workday. But I want to say it was like some sort of special deal where you got, um, I want to say it was a Black Like Sunday, a shirt, and, and like a sticker or something. Wow. Because I had never heard of Black Like Sunday, so I thought it was a new thing. When I was going through Wikipedia um, in preparation, I was sort of mapping out where we had to go from this. I, you know, I was surprised to see that Black Like Sunday is in between Manic Moonlight and Ogre Tones. So, yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a kind of almost like uh, well I well we can talk about it as we move on but uh, yeah but like I I would <coughs> like we might even want to throw manic moonlight and uh, and um, well no I guess that would be good black like Sunday and then we can wrap it up with overtones and um, fifteen um, yeah. which I also I have fifteen and there are some great tracks on fifteen. Yeah, I listened to I listened to fifteen not too long ago, and I was I was very pleased with it. But yeah, I I did not know they had that one out until I saw them play at the Chameleon Club in Lancaster with Extreme. And, Extreme. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, talk about a night of reveling in one's past. I was back at the Chameleon Club, right outside of, of Lancaster, in Lancaster, right outside of where I went to college. Seeing King's X and Extreme, the two bands that you know dominated a lot of my listening, and uh, you know at least my junior year of um, of college. So um, yeah, so you know, not for nothing, I'll just throw out. Uh, currently, the King's X website is basically just an advertisement for their current court, uh, tour dates. But like, there is a un- there is a pretty unique opportunity happening in January in the state of Texas. When it comes to King's X, Joe, there is a Friday, January 19th show in your hometown, Dallas, Texas. Uh, then the 20th, they're in Houston. And then Sunday the 21st, they're in uh, one of the greatest show places of all time, Austin, Texas. It, those are all, those are, you could follow that band if you really wanted to. I, I could. I did notice that when I went to go buy my tickets, Paul. When when is the Marillion uh, date? Is that in February or March? I, I want to say, say it's March. Is it March? It's after probably. At, you're right. It's probably March because it's after Cruise to the Edge. Boy, Tom, what are you doing in January? What, <laughs> what if we all? What if we all went to Texas and did three days in, with King's X in three different cities? 
that would be interesting. But we 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 all know that they'll probably be the they're they're probably gonna play the same songs all. That's time. okay, Tom. We did the same thing with uh, ARW. They played the same songs, and it was stellar. It was <laughs> it was amazing. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, if I if I was guaranteed that they would play Pillow, I, I would I would do it. Hey, they're gonna they're gonna play Pillow. I gar- I guarantee you they're gonna play Pillow all three nights. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> he doesn't want to discuss it on the air. He wants to hold on. Until you know, after. I, it, it does sound fun. It does sound fun. Uh, let me let, let me plant it in my head. And um, next time we get together, maybe we can um, talk about it some more. <laughs> I, may ha- I may have to get an apartment somewhere in um, in Dallas or in uh, in Texas. Maybe somewhere in between Austin and Dallas, Joe. I'll need to get an apartment so we can. Uh... You, you, you think so? <laughs> um, I don't know if I can handle Dallas without it being 120 degrees. Oh, it's yeah, still that's right. Be. Tom's never seen it's that. It's only January. Fine. It'll be. It'll know, be at least but, fine. Uh, every time I'm in Dallas, uh, Texas, it's 120 degrees. I'm. Uh, I'm almost dead. Tom, I think. I think there's. A, there are a couple places Joe can take us where it will be 120 degrees, no matter how <laughs> temperature is outside. Paul Marillion's in February, by the way. So it is February. Yeah, Tom. it is February 21st. Wow, it would be like back to back months. Okay. I, by the way, I'm still scrolling through the year 2000 looking for an album that I liked. <laughs> and I haven't so, found it yet. And I am currently in September. Wow. So let's, let's you, know, I, I, you know, I think there seems to be a surprisingly amount of love for Mr. Bulbous that I don't think any of us would have maybe expected going into this. <laughs> and we'll give them props for, you know, earning their progressive stripes with this album. Um, I'm not sure how long that's going to continue, given my experience with, limited experience with 15, but let's keep an open mind here. Um, but but since we're on Mr. Bulbous and we're talking about the, the progressive angle here, um, let's, let's talk about a perhaps small elephant in the room and the... Silly indulgence of the Dutch and Japanese tongue twisters in between the songs for a quick second. <laughs> I I don't know if I'm like if if I'm offended or amused or just curious as to how they decided to do Dutch and Japanese tongue twisters. I mean, if you've gone onto the, the Wikipedia page, it actually translates what what the various tongue twisters are. It, it's <laughs> how do you come up with this? Wait, where did you find that the tongue twisters? It's on the Wikipedia page, down at the bottom. I I did not on the on the actual Mr. Bulbous page. Yeah. So they have that. Oh yeah. Okay. Look at that. Hmm. You know, Mr. Bulbous must have come out. I'm surprised we we didn't even bring this up when we were in Texas in that uh, cabin because that was 2000, wasn't it? Because that with uh, Q2K. I want to say it was 01. 
I think it was 01, or was it? It may have been 2000, actually, Dom. Uh, no, well, 2000, know, 2000 was uh, Mega, Mega. I think, Las Vegas in 2000. Uh, yeah, or was think, it Ultra? I think it was Ultra, maybe. I think it was Vegas, though. I think it was after... When did, Joe, when did... Um, <coughs> we were recording tracks for your concept album that you never released. <laughs> at the lake house what year was that uh, i'll have to get the t-shirt to tell you i don't know so i can tell you it was after q2k was released because that's when you gave <laughs> me your copy of that paul <laughs> <laughs> i can honestly say i have never once even given it a second thought about the Dutch and Japanese tongue twisters that are happening in this album. Never once have I thought about it. You know, I at one point, I thought it was, because I was listening to it on YouTube, I thought it was a commercial that was like, kind of got screwed up. Oh. And, um, and then I realized, oh yeah, this was on, this is actually on the recording. But, um, you know, Ty Tabor talks about how you know Gretchen goes to Nebraska was just a joke. You know the right. the, the title and Lake House Butt Steak Oh One. Oh one. Okay. There it was. No, there you go. Oh one. So, isn't it incredible that Joe just happens to have a shirt like right in his closet? He knows exactly where it is. <laughs> I I am the historian, Thomas. Wow. Impressive. So they sort of do these sort of fun titles and as jokes, and they don't really know what they mean. So I want to say, knowing very little about the history of these little ditties that we're talking about on Bulbous, it's probably, it's probably just some funny little thing that they were doing. And they thought it would be cute. I don't know if there's any sort of like massive progressive rock in depth, uh, profound meaning to it. Because, like I said, you know, Gretchen goes to Nebraska and a lot of other, these other things were just funny things that somebody made up and they thought it was funny. Um, and they made something very profound out of it. Um, and it's, it, it's great stuff, but I don't. They're known to just do things that are fun off the top of their heads. So it, it could just be that. Well, my favorite one now. I didn't. I didn't. I, I, Joe, when you were stepped away, I said I hadn't even thought about these. But looking at the translations, my favorite one now is the one at the end of track six, which is of course Charlie Sheen and. That one is, that one is, damn, how awful this sandwich is. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right on the money there with that, Tom. I think it's just them goofing around, having a great time. And, um, and why not? They're being uh, ultra creative. Right. And uh, I remember... Uh, I know in the one video that I saw, I know that uh, Ty Tabor said that he had put a bunch of different album covers and titles together for Manic Moonlight. 
and a lot of them were really crazy and really strange. And I know that when there was a story in an interview about King's X, the self-titled album, where they they had already an idea for an album name, and when they saw the artwork that the guy had done of the table and the cherubic type uh, baby reaching for, they said, oh, let's just call it King's X. Um, and then, so I think they've had a history of uh, goofiness there with that, with some of that. So, Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I, I'll say about, that I don't like about Mr. Bulbous is it, the cover and the title it does just seem like it's just thrown out there. I mean, from a graphic design point of view, it's just, it's, it doesn't look good. There's no, um, composition there. It's, it, it's not, the, the quality is, is not great. I agree. Uh, and so it, it makes you, it gives you a preconception going into it. Like, wow, this may not be a real well thought out, album because this cover is not really doing it for me and um i think you know his history tells us that that isn't always the case with you know various uh, cds but um you know it's a pretty silly title and it knowing them it probably doesn't have any sort of profound meaning and the the cover looks like it's thrown. It just it just looks like, oh, they figured out how to do this light thing in Photoshop and somebody put it in there and it, it looks kind of thrown together. But I still uh, have a lot of love for this CD. That, so I'll, I'll say newfound love for the CD that I didn't have. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm still giving it high marks. I, I, I agree, Tom. And, you know, for me, one of the things that sticks out about the cover is the color palette is so far outside of everything King's X has given us to date. Um, it, it, it's striking. I mean, graphic design quality aside, it, it, it clearly is, is something a little bit different, which I don't know what that means. I just pointed out there. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to give Bulbous high marks. Um, even though it, it, it took me a while to, to get there, it wasn't immediate and I kind of had to figure it out. Um, and fishbowl man aside. <laughs> <sighs> Paul, you want to put, uh, you want to put some, some topping on this here? You know, I'm just sitting there thinking about, would I rank... Either one of these albums, Tapehead or Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous, if I were forced ranking all of my King's X albums, would I rank any of them ahead of um, any of the ones we've discussed right now? And I'm thinking that I might actually place one or both of these, before. I don't know if I could say this before the self-titled King's X album from 1992. I just don't know. Um, mm. I think I think Tapehead is more fun and energetic than the self-titled, and certainly Mr. Bulbous is way more creative. Um, 
but yeah, I don't. I I think that uh, I, that is something that I'll continue to think about um, as we uh, as we depart. I think we should we should think about force ranking our at least our top uh, our top five Kings X albums as we go through. I would yeah. say that I was pleasantly surprised, and it sounds like we all are in the same boat that um, finding deeper uh, affinity and. Uh, and recognition for uh, these two these two really well put together albums by one of our favorite bands, King's X. Yeah, yeah, I like the um, I like the idea of force ranking the top five King's X albums, Paul. Um, and and that would be a, a great little special episode that we can put out um, with some of these other great ideas that we have. If we can ever get around to actually recording them. Looking ahead, so we'll have. to figure out how we address black like sunday but we we probably have two more episodes um if we can't get our hands on black like sunday we may have to just we could probably do one and and hit all three at once i don't know but but that's kind of where we're at and then we can we can uh we can do this force ranking of our top five i i I, there's no way we could force rank all of them because we'd never we'd never get out of each other's way i think it's true in truth, though, we probably should force rank all of them because <laughs> because I, it's not really force ranking them if you if you leave some of them out. But uh, and I have a sense that in the first five, there's going to be a lot of duplication. It really probably won't get interesting until we get to number five and so on. So just my two cents. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll we'll think about it. I, you know, whatever. I, I it, think, it's going to be hard for me to be honest. This is it's going to be a hard one. To I to think think um, all these. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, this has been uh, this has been a very pleasant exercise, uh, much more so than I would have thought. And now we can uh, we can move on to manic moonlight, and um, we'll have to do some investigation on this black leg Sunday thing and see what we can do. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Perfect. My uh, perfect timing. My battery's down to five percent. So. <laughs> All right. So, so Paul, before you go, I want to want to show you if I can here. Wait. Let me get you on the big screen here. Oh, dude, that's looking great! Wow. Well done. I, look like I am so impressed at how motivated you are to do all this work dude that looks great yeah it's it's the uh it's the progressive palaver special concert series wall tom wow is there a tori amos poster on there joe um i i haven't framed it yet but i i did buy one the other night oh that's nice that's so she's She's going to go underneath the toad. The toad will move up on the wall, and she'll go underneath in between the two Roger Waters. Hey, where are you buying your frames? Um, I got them at Michael's. Michael's. Good call. Okay. Good so what is this exactly, Joe? I, I'm not quite sure I get it. So... When Paul and I saw ARW in Austin back in November... Some spirit moved me to buy a poster. And I had no idea what I was going to do with it, but I bought it anyway. 
And so it's this one here. And then when we did the whole three yes shows in three days thing, in the interim, ARW had changed their name to yes. So you end up getting the exact same poster now with a different band name on it. And I just got all excited. I'm like, ooh, look what I can do. And at that point... <laughs> At that point, I had gone to see Roger Waters, and he had sent, I bought, like, the Super Deluxe thing, so I got the coffee mug and uh, these posters here. He sent nice. three lithographs, okay. and then I, when I went to see Toad, um, they had a poster, and I'm like, this is, this is all coming together. So Paul and I have done, obviously, the special concert series on the Yes shows. We did the one on Toad. Um, we're getting ready to do one on Tori whenever we can, and I'm actually going to pitch the idea of, of going back and sort of, after the fact, trying to do a Roger Waters one, because I think that is a show worth talking about anyway. So, I had all these things, and one day I'm just like, you know, it's stupid just to have them lying around. So I went to Michael's and bought all these nice frames, and then last weekend... I had nothing going on, so I took my Saturday and just did it. Nice. Yeah. Tom, that's why it would be fucking great if we could go to Dallas <laughs> on the weekend and spend the whole weekend in Texas. We could go to Dallas, Houston, and Austin to see King's X three nights in a row. We could record podcasts after each one. And there, <laughs> Joe knows a couple really good clubs down there, dude, that we could go to afterwards. Oh, in Austin and in Dallas. <laughs> and I'm sure we can find one in Houston. <laughs> I'm sure we could. We nonetheless, could nonetheless, that's why, that's why it would be really fun to go down there. Wow. All right. All right. Well. I probably have gigs, though, scheduled that week. I, I need to check. Damn it. It's it sounds. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. As always, we've enjoyed sharing it with you. Um, Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for, for subscription on both iTunes and Google Play. And we encourage all of you to reach out with your thoughts, your comments, your questions, if you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, whatever the case may be. We're available on Twitter at progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A. You can email us at progpala at gmail.com. We are also available on Facebook and Instagram, and we also have YouTube. You can search for Progpala or Progressive Palaver on all of those. We look forward to continuing our King's X discussion next time as we inch ever closer to the end of that catalog and start looking forward to discussing Rush. <laughs>